Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. In this episode, I talked to Maddie, and she's from Content Refined. They do uh, content, right? You can imagine they do content over there. They can publish brand new content, or they can improve existing content. They call it a content upgrade. This is actually a rebroadcast, so the longtime fans may remember I talked to Maddie uh, several months ago. It's been a while. It's been like 100 episodes ago, so it's, it's been quite a, quite some time, but I wanted to give an update because it, when I first published this interview, I think the traffic was up by like... I don't know, like 13% within four weeks or so. However, many months have passed. And at this point, when I look at the data and I see how much traffic, the 10 posts that I had Content Refined work on, when I look at the, the data, it's kind of amazing. So I'll just tell you right now, straight up, I looked at the traffic increase year over year over a very long period of time. So it was April of 2019 when Content Refined worked on my site. They improved 10 different articles and I looked at the data from April 2019 to March 2020. When I'm recording this right now, traffic is up by 89.5%. It's kind of ridiculous and a couple of the topics sort of took off um, months after the content was upgraded and all that stuff. And one kind of interesting thing is there was a huge spike in on for one of the articles as far as traffic and the interest in that topic due to the current events going on in March 2020. If you're listening to this, um, you know, kind of shortly after I'm recording this, you know that uh, COVID-19 coronavirus is sort of gripping the world and things are kind of crazy right now. Hopefully in the future, when you hear this, you'll think, oh man, it, it was so it was so weird, uh, but things are back to normal and even better than ever. I digress. The point is this content upgrade stuff, it works really well. You can get quick results and you may get lucky, like I got lucky, and have ongoing exceptional results and even better as time goes on. Traffic went up pretty quickly. Like I said, within four weeks, traffic was up by a significant amount. And then over time, the rankings improve, traffic improved in general. And it has been, you know, probably one of the best investments that I've made just in general for improving content on the site, hands down. After we listen to the interview with Maddie, then I'm going to. Go back to the mailbag. I got a couple follow-up uh, answers from Ken, who sent me an email about having a, a magazine versus a blog and those sort of ideas. So I'm going to give you an update on that, answer a little bit more about what Ken was asking. And I, I got to encourage you, definitely check out Content Refined, um, especially if you've seen either stagnant traffic or a drop in traffic very worthwhile to go back and make sure that you're improving content, you're optimizing it in, in certain ways. And Maddie mentions that they have some templates out there to help you with content creation and that sort of thing. So check out Content Refined. Great people over there. I know um, the founders. I know Maddie, of course, and some of the other crew involved. So great folks. And I've referred a lot of people that have been very, very happy with the results that they've seen from Content Refined. Without further ado, let's send it over to the interview with Maddie. 
Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm sitting with Maddie. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. And you're from Content Refined, but for the folks that don't know you, can you give us a little intro about what you do there and uh, maybe a, a little tiny bit about Content Refined? Yeah, sounds great. So um, my name is uh, is Maddie, and I am the uh, CEO and co-founder of Content Refined, which is uh, a small content marketing agency that's uh, based up in Canada. Um, and so what we what we do is we help people, small business owners, or anybody who even has like a niche website. Um, we we help them with their content strategy, and we help them create really great, high quality content that uh, will hopefully drive more traffic to their site. Awesome. Very cool. And how did you get involved with Content Refined? Um, well, it's kind of it was kind of an accident. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, I moved to a really small town uh, called Collingwood, Ontario. I moved for love, um, and uh, I had left a really great job in Toronto. Um, and so I was sort of networking up here and and meeting a bunch of new folks. Uh, and I came across this guy named John, um, who I think you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, John basically was ha- had also just left his big engineering job um, and moved back to this small town and was sort of launching this online business world of his and uh, and really following that career path for himself. Um, and so he was looking for for help, and I was originally hired on actually to um, help him with his portfolio of money sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what he had intended for my job to be was uh, basically to figure out a a really good marketing strategy for his own portfolio of of money sites um, to really get the process going for the for the content creation piece. Um, and so. We did like a lot of research and a lot of uh, a lot of sort of procedure building and built out this really awesome um, little robust process of of consistent content creation. And uh, once that was that was done, we kind of launched it as a service. Um, and so that's how Content Refined was born. Gotcha. And that is, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what happened there, <laughs> but um, that is Authority Website Income. It is. Um, so. John Haver from Authority Website Income. So I'll put a link to that um, in case people aren't familiar. But when I got started online um, in 2013, John was at least a couple years ahead of me. So I contacted him and we've had a good relationship over the years. So um, Content Refined is an option because you guys were doing so good with your, I mean, you had extra bandwidth and you were like, well, people need this service, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I had kind of worked myself out of a job at that point because the the content was happening and the creation process was so automated that um, that I kind of had this extra time and I really yeah had worked myself out of a job. So we we're like, hey, let's wrap this up and put a little bow on it and call it content refined and launch it to people who who need this service. Cool. And how long ago was that when you launched content refined? That's coming up to three years. So um, this fall will be three years. Okay, awesome. Yeah. And um, what was your background, like your previous job and all that stuff? Yeah, prior to that, I had been working in um, in Toronto at a medical technology uh, startup. So it, a little bit different. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, a little more more technical, but, uh, yeah, it was basically like a, a software development agency. Um, and, and we created, uh, created some medical platforms for doctors. Gotcha. And then what did you do there? 
Um, I was a project manager actually. So okay. in terms of, so my skill set from there to, to come and proceduralize the crap out of something was something, <laughs> was right. something that I was uh, pretty used to. And uh, the documentation piece was something that I, I was very strong at. So it, uh, it was a good fit. Just a, a bit of a shift of, of gears. Like I didn't know anything about marketing um, or content or SEO really before that. So it was, uh, it was brand new to me. And so it's been, it's been a lot of, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I have a similar background and I think the thing you mentioned is like being able to like look at a process and then document it and then have other people do it. Like project managers have to do it all the time, but like if you haven't done it before, it's really hard because like People will write down what they think and then give it to the the team or whatever. And then the team has questions and then, you know, they want to blame the team, but it's really, you know, you didn't document it well. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Interesting. I actually, I see that you, you've got a PMP des- designation here on your, uh, mm-hmm. on your Skype. So I was wondering what that was all about. Yep. Yep. So I got my PMP. Did you get yours at, at back in the I, day? I never actually officially got the, uh, the designation, but, uh, but I would consider myself a, a project manager. Sure. They, you know, it's just <laughs> jumping through a lot of hoops and then paying a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> yeah. so, but then once you get it, you just keep it active. So exactly. I've done that. So, okay. Yeah. The reason why we're here today is we're talking about content upgrades, which shouldn't be confused with the email marketing thing of content upgrades. We're talking about taking content and improving it to basically get more traffic. So mm-hmm. can you tell me about how you guys got this idea for, I, I guess now it's a product, but it's a yeah. strategy and we're going to talk about step-by-step how to do it. So take, take me through that a little. Yeah, sure. So I guess it started, um, it wasn't actually our idea. It, was, it came to us from, from clients wanting the service. So um, we were, you know, in the, in the thick of, um, really understanding, um, like driving factors and, and ranking factors for, uh, brand new content. Um, but we weren't really focused on existing content and it wasn't until we had like, you know, a handful of clients come to us and say, Hey, you know, like I've already targeted this keyword. Um, I've got like a 3000 word blog post on this topic. Um, I don't want to rewrite the whole thing. Like I don't want to have a brand new piece of content about a a keyword that I'm already targeting. That seems like a, a bad ROI. Um, can, can we figure out how to sort of like refresh this existing content to make it useful again? Um, and so that's sort of where we got the idea. And then, um, with the, with the help of, you know, like we always do, you know, we test things out and with the help of different tools, we figured out a really good system on how we could predictably, um, improve certain pieces of content so that they would uh, perform well on search engines. Um, and so once we got, uh, that, that process sort of nailed down, that's when we launched it as a standalone service. Um, and it's, uh, it's been very popular and, um, the, what's interesting about it is that the, the results show immediately because, um, these pieces of content are already, uh, indexed and they're already ranking. So it just really gives them a, a a bump, which has been, um, interesting to see and document. Yes. And I know I've, 
done this strategy in the past, but without as much like a rigorous process. So um, I, I knew that it was going to work. And I was going to say, uh, we can mention that we're working together some, right? So um, I had, uh, I have a website and Content Refined worked with a few of the posts, about 10 posts over there. And I will be sharing this in like the show notes and stuff like that. So people can check it out. There will be an accompanying blog post as well. But in general, traffic um, for the 10 posts over the course of like four weeks or so went up yeah. by almost 13%, so 12.83%. And the individual posts, some of them only went up by 10%. Some of them went down just a little bit, which could be seasonal or something else. Um, but a few of the posts went up by like 100 and some odd percent, like multiple times uh, the amount of traffic that they were getting before. So again, this was just in four weeks, traffic went up by about 13% on these 10 posts. So it definitely works. And like you said, the cool part is Google already likes the post. So it's just a matter of like optimizing them in the right way. Right. And it's not about, um, yeah, it's not about basically waiting for something to become indexed and then waiting for things to, you know, get slow, slow traffic, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's an immediate bump and we see it right away, which is cool. Yeah. And it's like, if you're doing on page on site work, typically you'll, mm-hmm. you'll have the changes happen faster. The impact happens faster versus, you know, if you're, if you're building links, it could take a little while for those to come into play. Or like you said, if it's a brand new post, then you, you have to wait a little while yeah. for things to happen. So um, we will take you through the process. And Maddie, I think this is where um, I'm going to not know as much about what you guys do. So yeah. can we just go like step by step on how you do this? Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess we'll start with like, the initial phone call. So I'll, uh, I'll jump on a call with a prospective client who, um, who wants this service. Um, and we'll sort of go through their site, their goals, their, we'll pull, we'll scrape the site with, uh, for some data and analytics to sort of understand, um, where their strong suits are and where they could improve. Um, so we'll do this thing called like a content audit. I think we did it for your site, right? Um, where, uh, where we'll, pull some, pull some data from the site and, and then understand, um, exactly like what posts are ranking for what, and then what, um, yeah, what articles are not, uh, performing as well as they should be based on the keyword that they're targeting and based on the metrics associated with that keyword. So, um, we generally like to go for keywords that have, um, a pretty high search volume, but a, a lower competition. So if we see that there's a, a, a keyword like that, um, that is not ranking very well for a post, then we know that that's probably a good, um, a, a good place to start for an upgrade. Um, and so then we'll take a deeper dive into that post and see where else we can optimize it to get it to rank for related key terms. Um, and so that's when, a, a tool. So sorry, backtracking. Um, we will present the sort of client audit, um, present a set of recommendations for posts that we should upgrade. And then the client will say yay or nay. Um, in your case, you said yay for about 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we will start with the actual upgrade. Um, so the upgrade, um, is 
essentially we'll, we'll use this tool called market muse. I think we've spoken about it a few times before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll plug the existing article into market muse. We'll plug in the, um, the targeted keyword as well as the targeted, um, like, uh, article title. Um, and then we'll have the article analyzed through this tool. Um, this tool is really interesting because it basically scrapes the web for any other related article to that topic um, and will give you recommendations on on how to improve your article so that it will hopefully beat out the 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 competition. Right. Um, and so what it will do is it will spit out a, a list of keyword variants that you should be sprinkling through your text. Um, and it will give you uh, a set of like content gaps um, that your writer should write about. Um, and so those are really great for like uh, additional little pieces of content to fit into your existing article um, because it's identifying this tool is identifying the the like subjects that you have not touched on um, that will make your article better and that will make Google recognize it as a, uh, as a piece of content that is um, in depth and that is well-researched and that is useful um, to the readers. So once we understand sort of all those content gaps, different keyword variants, we will um, compile that into a bit of a content brief. Um, and then we will sit like we'll we'll go through the existing content and um, we will come up with like a list of questions that we think um, the the post should aim to answer. Um, and so we'll add those questions into the brief and then we'll send that off to the writer. Okay. So once the writer gets that brief, um, they'll go through the post to understand sort of like the tone and like the um, what's already been sort of covered. Um, and then they will work on sort of creating additional content that fits really, really well and congruently with the post. Um, and then once that's done, they'll send it off to us. Uh, we'll, we'll plug it through Market Muse to make sure that it is, uh, that, that the content score has improved um, and that it, uh, based on Market Muse, uh, should predictably rank on, on a search engine mm-hmm. um, better than it did before. Uh, and then we will publish it for you. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to, that was very good, <laughs> like a good explanation <laughs> in a concise way. So that, that was amazing, Maddie. Oh, I'm good. Gonna, I'm glad. Was I'm it a little long winded? <laughs> no, it's good. You, you, uh, you got to take a breath. Um, but I know, sorry, (laughs) no, no, it's all good. Um, so, but I'm going to go back and ask, like there were certain pieces, um, that I know some people were going to wonder about. So, um, (laughs) back at at step one, um, (laughs) you mentioned like a, you know, quote high search volume. Um, can you give like a, an example or some ranges where it's worthwhile to, to look to do this? Yeah, totally. I think that varies um, from like niche to niche. But uh, do you say niche or niche? Um, I'm an American, uh, a clumsy <laughs> so American. Yep, I sure do. Yep, and I okay. just you know it's in my it's in my UR it's my domain name, so I just I'm just leaning into it. So niche, okay. Yeah, but feel so free. So I'm Canadian, so I say niche. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You can do that. Yeah. I guess it's the French way. Um, it's but, it's uh, correct. I think you're correct. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, mo- Canadians <laughs> mostly are correct. So. <laughs> um, 
No, but all joking aside, depends on what niche you're in. And um, so rule of thumb, I would say anything over a thousand, but if it's in sort of a less competitive niche, I would do anything over 500. Okay, cool. And I think one, uh, I guess maybe a guideline that people could use, although you could tell me I'm wrong, is um, if you just look at the keywords that you're ranking for and you see like most of them are, you know, high, then you probably have a higher range that you need to aim for. And if most of yours are pretty low, I mean, maybe I know a lot of people use the keyword golden ratio that are watching this or they're familiar with it anyway. And maybe a lot of their keywords are in the, you know, 300 range. So in that case, maybe you aim in the 300 to 500 range and you're just kind of looking at a smaller window. So is that an okay way to look at it? Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think you also, if we're going to talk about search volume, we should talk about competition score as well. Um, and basically anything that it has like a higher percentage in the competition, it's going to be harder to rank for. So we look for anything sort of under 30%. Okay. Yeah. And, um, what tool are you using for that competition difficulty metric? So yeah, we use a, a number of different tools, but right now, um, our favorites are, um, Ahrefs, mm-hmm. um, as well as, uh, SE cockpit. Um, it's a Swiss marketing apps platform. Um, and although, uh, although it, it's kind of slow, um, it does spit out really good, good data. Okay. And yeah. I haven't used that one, but I've heard of it. Um, Ahrefs is really good. I use Ahrefs Sunbrush. Is great. Um, as yeah. well. And I've been playing with uh, KW Finder, which seems to have a pretty good uh, metric as well. So Yeah, yeah. Actually, we've, we did you ever take a look at um, the massive data analysis study that we did on different tools? I, I saw that it was out there and then I perused yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that was a couple years ago now. So I'd be interested to sort of um, revisit that and see what what tools what other tools and if there are any new tools um out there that we haven't discovered yet to see sort of uh what their what their predictability of ranking um is so i'd be interested to revisit this conversation in like august if we if we decide to revisit that yeah i think yeah Yeah. a refresh of that article would be interesting but yeah, it's really hard. I mean, I think some of the tools, like I remember Longtail Pro had like their competition, um, what was it? Keyword competitive competitiveness metric, the KC stat, which was really good in the beginning, but then over time it became like less accurate and like yeah. just not very useful. Um, and I don't know if they've refreshed it or anything like that. So yeah, yeah. And moving on, um, speaking of tools, uh, you mentioned Market Muse, and it for people that don't know, it's a very sophisticated, like data driven, like content analysis tool. It's very expensive, though, so really, you could only afford it if you're like a content agency, like Content Refined, or if you have like a media company, basically. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about like what Market Muse can do? I know you mentioned it analyzes the uh, competition, it analyzes content related to the terms, but what kind of like uh, other information? I know you mentioned some of it, but I kind of want to just dive a little deeper for the people that never use Market Muse. 
Yeah, for sure. So Market Muse actually, it's growing and it has a bunch of added functionalities that we need to sort of explore since we haven't really done that yet. But for the purpose of, of Content Refined, we use it extensively for um, for content planning and mapping um, and for content analyzing. Um, so we we use it to edit every single piece of content that we um, deliver to our clients, whether it's new or um, whether it's upgraded content. Um, and so what it, what it's great for is, um, is that it gives you like different keyword variants um, that you should be using and it will like recommend where you should even place them. Like it's really, it's a really, really sophisticated, sophisticated tool. Um, and, We've done a ton of studies on it um, that that basically that basically say that the use of the extensive use of Market Muse leads to um, content that does perform better. Um, and so I think that it's likely because uh, of the fact that it helps you with your content briefing um, with like suggestions of different subtopics, um, sub suggestions of, of, um, keyword variants, um, suggestions of like questions that you should be aiming to answer, uh, throughout your, your any given text. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, just like the, the being able to compare it to any other subject, um, on the internet or sorry, with any other blog article on that mm -hmm. subject on the internet is, is a really, really useful, um, functionality to have. So I think, uh, I think it's a great tool. Um, I think that it's a very expensive tool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very expensive. Yeah. It's really expensive. Um, but I, I do think that it gives us that competitive advantage, um, on the market. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I've used a couple other tools, um, and they, give you a piece of the information, but it yeah. doesn't do the keyword variance as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, I understand why it's so expensive. I mean, they're pulling so much data and then they're analyzing it and parsing it and then reorganizing it and like extracting what you care about, all those yeah. keyword variants. So, I mean, we could talk about it conceptually and see how it works, but I imagine, you know, it's it's expensive to pay for the servers to run all that stuff in the background, which is why it's so expensive and the huge value that it brings. I mean, it's like a no brainer totally. for content refined to use it. And I imagine like big media companies that just do tons of content. That makes sense too. Yeah. Um, so it's a great tool and you could, so there are some cheaper tools that can kind of do some stuff. Yeah. Um, like cognitive SEO. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know of any tool. others? I, I, uh, cognitive SEO is sort of our, if, if market muses servers are down or something, um, mm -hmm. uh, we'll use cognitive SEO. We think it's, we think it's a great tool. We're actually just finishing up a data analysis study, um, with them, um, to, to see whether we should be working with them more often. Gotcha. And I yeah. know there's page optimizer pro, mm -hmm. um, which I'm an affiliate for. So, um, everyone be aware of that, but, mm -hmm. um, it, it, provides really good information as well, but it's not quite as um, like user-friendly, I guess. Okay. And I haven't played with it as much. So everyone just, you know, <clears throat> remember that caveat. So be aware. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So moving on, you, 
you do the analysis about how much content is added because content refined like is they do everything right yeah okay so about yeah. how much content is added do you add images like what's the extent of additional yeah. content yeah so um again it it kind of depends on like the suggestion from market muse but usually we'll end up adding between anywhere between sort of 500 and a thousand words of content um, to fill up those content gaps. Um, and then of course we'll, we'll add in new images, we'll place new links. Um, and uh, that's, that's basically it. Oh, and, and we'll update like, so say, say it's a blog from like 2016 um, and it references 2016 throughout the text a lot. We'll up, update that. Um, to like 2019 um, okay. and make sure that it's like current and that the stats, if, if you have like a, a blog post that has a bunch of statistics um, just to make sure that they're updated and current. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That makes sense. Any other like observations on, on the process or if someone was trying to do it on their own, any su- suggestions? Um, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I would suggest cleaning it. Like if, if it's, uh, say, so a lot of the time um, when we perform this service, it's because somebody's just bought um, a brand new site. So they, they've just bought all of this content that they don't really know anything about and some of it's not performing well. And then we'll go through it and we'll be like, okay, this is written terribly. Like this is something that we need to completely rewrite. Like this was not a native English speaker who wrote this. Um, let's, let's clean it up. So we will also, uh, edit it extensively to make sure that it's, uh, high quality and, and written correctly because that matters. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. So I can imagine people buying sites and then they obviously are trying to get like an ROI and like if they can go and improve, I don't know, let's say they have, they bought a site with a hundred posts and they, they get like 20 of them done running the 80, 20, right? Like they can make a huge, I mean, they can make a huge difference on, um, huge difference yeah. on the traffic, on the earnings within potentially just a month or something like that. So yeah. amazing. And do, do you guys uh, have some case studies on this? Oh, definitely. Yeah. We have lots of case studies on this um, that I can share in, this, in the show notes if you'd like. Yep. So that, yeah. that's perfect. I'll, I'll include those. And I, I suspect maybe some of my information will be in there at some point. I'm not sure, but yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. So one of the other things, um, that you guys have over content refined is templates to do some stuff. And you, you mentioned that maybe the audience can get a hold of those templates. How can they do it? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a, uh, a podcast special page, um, that essentially allows, um, anybody listening to this who wants to check it out, um, allows them to go, go in and download, um, a, bunch of different templates, uh, that will allow them to write, uh, different styles of article, uh, or sorry, different styles of articles, um, using the content refined templates. Um, and so those are templates that we use internally that we send to all of our writing team to make sure that they're all, uh, sort of writing the same style and the same format. Um, so it's super helpful if, uh, if, you're starting out and, and you're doing some of your own posts or if you've got like a writer in house and you'd like to sort of proceduralize things a little bit better, um, then, uh, 
then you can use those and, and that should help with the content creation side of things. Perfect. Thanks a yeah. lot for that. And everyone, I'll, I'll put links in the description and all that. So if you're driving in your car, you don't have to figure out how to write it down. So, yeah. all right. Um, well, thanks a lot, Maddie. Is there anything else uh, before we head out? I don't think so. Um, yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't think so. I think cool. this is great. Well, uh, everybody check out Content Refined. Um, and like I said, I'll put links and stuff for all the things that we talked about. So thanks again, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Maddie from Content Refined and the crew over there. Definitely check them out if you have not before. As I mentioned, I'm going to be going back to the mailbag here. So back in episode 132, so just a couple episodes ago, I got an email from Ken. He and his wife are working on a site and they were thinking, hey, should we do a quote blog versus a quote magazine? And I'm a... Um, first, uh, I guess I'm a kind of an asshole, kind of a jackass just in general, but, um, you know, the words in the questions are so important, right? If you don't know the definition, if you don't know the working definition of the person asking the question, then you may be talking past each other, or I just don't know like what, what the difference is. So it sounded like from Ken's question that it was more about the layout of the website, so I just asked, hey, is this a superficial thing or what's the difference between a magazine versus a blog versus a grid layout versus a magazine layout? To me, it's, I mean, it's a blog. It's just a layout and it is superficial and it doesn't matter at all. You want to make sure that people can get information and solve their problems, learn from your website. You want to communicate basically. And Ken mentions that he and his wife have been reading several articles and they have come to the conclusion that an online magazine is getting more social media sharing and a magazine comes across as a higher value and the visitor knows it's a business and not a person, right? Not Mr. and Mrs. X sitting in their house somewhere writing content. And Ken further says, I feel that, for example, a magazine has an editor, writers, and an overall larger and more professional pres presence on the site. So my answer to that is, sure. I mean, do that. It, I, do, I can't disagree with any of your points, but what you're describing is a lot more work, a lot more uh, just in general, you're doing a shitload more than if you start a blog and you have the flexibility, in my opinion, to add an editor, writers, and you could treat anything you do in a professional sense. So from my perspective, you could do either one. And sure, yes, an online magazine is getting more social shares. But in my opinion, I don't give a shit if people are sharing my content on social media. Now, that is not a popular opinion and a lot of other people will disagree. But I'm more concerned about it. By the way, the other people that disagree with me, 100% valid. That is 100% valid. I just, I don't personally enjoy social media so much. And then my personal experience is that traffic from social media does not tend to convert as well as, say, traffic from Google organic search. That's not to say that there's not value in having social media traffic, but just from where I sit, I don't give a shit. So I'll move on from there. And to, to that point, Ken, 
yes, you're 100% right. A magazine is probably more professional. A magazine would have editors. It would have people that are experts in the topic and it would get more social shares. And yes, it would probably have a little bit of a higher perceived value, even if it's still just you and your wife behind the uh, keyboard there. And I further asked, right? So we had a little dialogue here in the email. So folks, if you want to if you want to ask questions and have me actually answer your email in a thorough way, feedback at Doug.show. That's how you get in touch with me there. All right. So I asked, can, can you define a blog versus a serious online magazine? So he says this, a blog is a guy sitting on his PC and that's it. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's just when you're trying to build something massive in your niche, say a site with 500 good, well-researched articles and investing your time and money into it, I feel that you have a real option to become an authority in your niche. If that's your goal, you'll be better received as a magazine compared to a blog. I guess when it comes down to it, you simply come across as more professional and that means more clicks on your ads and your affiliate links because you have more trust based on being viewed as a business. So if you compare menshealth.com versus some random blog, who do you think has the most trust? Okay, and... I think it depends. So like all good questions, Ken, it depends. That is the answer. So I am, I'm going to point out a specific example, which is kind of an exception. And I, and I know this. So that's, that's the hard part, right? You could point out, um, you know, men's health versus a random blog. Yeah, men's health versus a random blog. Depending on the article, I may or may not trust men's health or a random blog. For example, if I get over to Men's Health and it's pretty clear that they just have some staff writer writing something and they kind of don't know what they're talking about, it's pretty clear. And sometimes that happens on those big sites. I see it all the time because they just have some writer who is maybe they're right out of school and they don't have the life experience or the specific understanding of whatever it is they're writing about. That happens, right? happens all the time if you read enough of those blogs. Conversely, you may find people with a random blog, like me, I have a random blog, and I think some of my content is pretty well done. Not all of it, you know, some of it sucks, but some of the content on Niche Site Project is pretty damn good. Some of it's pretty thorough, and I am literally a random dude with no staff, and it's just me behind a keyboard, basically. So keep that in mind. Sometimes it works out. Let me give you a a completely exceptional example where, you know, you couldn't recreate this if you were trying to, but if you came at it at a certain way. So Mr. Money Mustache is an individual. It's literally a dude in his blog and he writes. There's no staff behind it. Um, It's just one guy, one, one dude who's been able to write a lot, 500 uh, good, well-researched articles to refer back to exactly what you were talking about. And the thing is, his site is more authentic because it is not tied to men's health, which is part of, a, I imagine, a, a larger media company. And they have an agenda and they have to sell ads and so on. Pete, Mr. Money Mustache, does not have to do that stuff. So depending on the topic, and again, I'm pulling examples that prove my point in Anyone can, you know, find the converse here, of course. So 
I don't necessarily think that a blog versus a magazine is a slam dunk. I think you're right as far as like a magazine getting more media, uh, social media sharing and potentially more trust. That could be true, but not always. And it does depend on how you approach it. Now, you referenced some article um, about blogs versus magazines, and there are very few uh, positives with a blog. Um, It's simple, it's less responsible, and a few positives with a magazine is large, authoritative. You can get better writers, you can get social media shares, and start a brand, and blah, blah, blah. So, from where I sit, and Kenny and and Panna, I'm not sure that's... uh, Ken's wife, by the way, Kenny and Panna, I think you guys are doing a great job as far as like growing your site, building things out, putting in the effort. I think if you want to do a magazine versus a blog, it's a personal choice, 100% up to you. I think both can be like successful. They can grow to huge levels, bigger than you think. I think a blog could be way bigger than, because you're, I think you're imagining Someone like me, some random asshole sitting in front of a keyboard typing some stuff in. And those can grow way bigger than you think. Uh, Just from what you've written here, I could tell that you don't think a blog could do that much. Turns out blogs can get really big. Depending on the audience that you're looking for, this small nature, the personal nature of a blog with a dude sitting behind a keyboard or dudette for the ladies... Totally fine. Some people are going to identify closer with that because they understand like you're just a normal person where if it's a big magazine, sometimes that can get a little weird. The other part, which I kind of alluded to is what you're describing, like running a magazine is going to be a lot more work up front. What I potentially would suggest is to start it um, as a blog, start it sort of smaller. And then if you want to expand and add writers, that sort of thing, have editors grow it into an actual brand, you know, in quotes, then you could totally do that. No one is going to hold you back. No one will tell you no. You could just move it over, have a little stronger branding and that sort of thing. So hopefully Kenny and Panda, that was helpful. I think um, the semantics of it all. So going back to the beginning, a blog versus an online magazine these days doesn't really matter much. And let me give another like further example, right? So we, we deal a lot with like the written content here. We're trying to rank on Google with blog posts. However, the world's shifting, right? We're looking at audio, like a podcast, like this one. We're looking at video. YouTube's huge, right? I mean, I spend as much or more time on YouTube, probably more time on YouTube than I do reading blogs. People are doing video. The point being, um, a lot of individuals out there running uh, vlogs or running YouTube channels are literally just very small shops, like one person with a vlog. Sometimes they may have editors and some other assistants. If if they're pushing out a lot of content, I have a couple of assistants and an editor that helps me with video and stuff like that. So it ju- it just depends. And another thing, so right now, as we're um, looking at a lot of folks in the U.S. and across the world, are you're locked down. There are, you know, stay in place orders where you're not supposed to like leave your home. You're not supposed to gather in uh, large groups, like over two people or something like that. And 
people are inside. So what I'm seeing is folks that used to do like TV shows, they are doing uh, low, like uh, low fidelity, low production value videos on their phone and posting it on YouTube. One of the shows that I was uh, sort of watching a little more often is Lights Out with David Spade. And he's doing his monologues and doing like Skype or Zoom calls with people that he would normally have in the like in the audience, in the panel and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Not that they want to shift to low production values, but it's the only way that they can put out content. They can't perform in front of a studio audience. They can't go sit in the writer's room and, and work on their show. They just have to publish from their phone and upload it. Maybe they have a couple assistants that can work with them in video and all that stuff. But anyway, the point being low production and one person working on something isn't necessarily bad. Now, again, my overall answer was either one will work fine, just move forward. What you want to do is give yourself the maximum flexibility to pivot in the future. So I would say just be open to either one and and see what fits for you guys. If you want to do the magazine thing and you're really, um, you know, you're up for the challenges of working with editors and having to, you know, compete on a sort of different level, that's fantastic. Go for it. I mean, I think you're going to learn a lot in both cases. All right. Get off my soapbox on that one. Hopefully it was helpful. And again, if you have questions out there, feedback at Doug.show. I also have that voicemail number. So you could check that out too. 90 seconds is kind of the ideal length of a voicemail question, give or take 30 seconds. There's a three minute cutoff. So it has to be under three minutes and three minutes gets to be long. If you happen to be brand new to the show, Thanks a lot for listening. I encourage you to check out some of the other episodes, especially the success story interviews. Those seem to be the most popular. We have another one coming up here pretty soon with Justin, and he's a student in my course, Five Figure Niche Site. Pretty cool story. Really nice guy. Um, This is a cool interview because it wasn't like an overnight success. Sometimes we hear of the, the folks that they enroll in the course, they do a couple things, then they're making, you know, hundreds, thousand dollars per month really quick. Usually it's not that, but occasionally we have one of those home runs. Justin had a couple false starts and it took him a little while to connect all the dots and, and get things rolling, but things have been good and we sit down and talk about that. So Justin's a really great guy. Looking forward to publishing that interview. Additionally, If you love the show, you're already subscribed and that sort of thing, thank you very much. Please uh, spread the word. That's one of the best things you could do. I mean, I like to have the reviews and all that stuff, but if you can just share the show with one other person that you think would find it interesting, that is how we can grow. That's how we've been growing the last year and a half. It's just one listener like you at a time. And I really appreciate it. Have a great day out there. Everybody, wash your hands. No matter when you're listening to this, you know, wash your hands well. I always wash my hands, but spoiler um, alert and a little embarrassing. I 
I was only washing for maybe like 10 seconds. I was not singing happy birthday twice or however many times you're supposed to sing it these days, but I'm I'm washing my hands in a lot more uh, thorough way and sometimes hitting it with uh, hitting the hands with a little hand sanitizer. That may be too much, but it depends. Like if I just went to the grocery store or something like that, which I'm not even going to that often, but when I come back inside, I'm like, all right, I'm going to wash my hands really well, hit it with a hand sanitizer. Oh, easy for me to say hand sanitizer. And uh, the point is everybody wash your hands. Don't cough on people. We'll catch you on the next episode.